And we're live here for another week here at uh, Bottled Up. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. It feels like an eternity since the last time we sat behind the mic in front of you guys, but we're here. Today we show you one of our very first episodes we recorded in July this year, where Sonny and I sat down with Christian Martineau, a well-being coach for hundreds of Australians out there. Christian dives deep into his relationship with mental health as he experienced burnout and the implications this had on his physical health. He talks through his incredible transition from corporate through to pursuing his passion for meditation and well-being. We hope you enjoy this episode. So without further ado, this is Christian Martin now. So we can enter the rabbit hole now. Um, I didn't choose to wake up at 4.44, so... When you start to tune into numbers in the world, and numbers play a really important role in the world, the Matrix you might have seen in the movie, you might, if you start to understand a bit about mythology and a few things, um, something else woke me up is what I'll say. And I checked a message and there was a message from a friend in Hawaii and she was online at the same time, so we started messaging and we just jumped on a call. And what unraveled from there is I had an experience, an energetic experience. So, you know, what's important in your podcast is people talk about emotions, well, emotions are energy in motion, right? All it is is energy. Our body, our physical structure made up of atoms and molecules, if you go to the layer beneath that, that's also energy. So actually, when you start to learn about quantum physics and all this stuff, you realise everything is energy in motion. And so I had an experience, what, what's called a kundalini awakening. Now, kundalini, that word may come from very lot of Indian ancient traditions, Right, tantra, you might be familiar. It's kind of classified with sexuality, but it actually goes beyond that. It's the energy working up from the spine, the bottom of the spine, the sacral. And um, yeah, I literally had a kundalini awakening today. And so I'm on, on the call with this girl and my, my spine is moving, my body's vibrating and there's energy literally coming up my body. And they, the serpent in a lot of these traditions represents that. And so that kind of came up my spine. Um, and, you know, it's all related to other things too. Like I was with a naturopath yesterday and she plugged me onto an energetic frequency device and it's reading all the organs in my body and the cells and the different things. And the only block that came up as a marker in that was my sacral, which is where that kundalini energy starts. And then look, the next day I have this, this thing. I didn't know what a kundalini awakening was until this morning. I watched a YouTube video with this girl for an hour. So if anyone's interested, you can YouTube it and you'll find out. And millions of people mm. have had this experience. And, and, you know, as I hear you speak, I hear this amazing transformation, like transformational journey you've had. Like, obviously, correct me if I'm wrong, it, it isn't something that's happened overnight. It's been sort of these cogs in motion over the last couple of years. Um, you know, as a, as a timekeeper, you know, um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, how you sort of got to where you are today? Um, this sort of awakening this sort of energy in motion, yeah, like take us, take us a couple of years back and yeah. what got you involved? So if you, look, if you met me in high school, just, just a classic high school kid trying to survive, be cool, wear the right clothes, do my hair, go out, right, that whole journey. If you go to uni, it's like ambitious, um, you know, so I'd do consulting competitions, you know, become the president of the Financial Management Association of Australia, you might know that, the FNLA you know, merge Monash with it, do that whole world, right? Study hard, get good grades. And then um, after I went on exchange, that opened my eyes. I joined a fraternity in the US. You know, I got to hang out with some people that are pretty influential in like kind of Hollywood and just, you know, have quite a bit of wealth. And um, 
and that was an experience. And then I backpacked through South America, and it's you know different culture and and you know seeing poverty and being part of it. And then I came back and did honors. Honors was the first time I actually got to think for myself, because I I, um, I just wrote learned. Yeah, I looked at a theory on a slide, and I thought that was the world. And when I did honors, I had to create my own question. I got access to employees across the big six firms. I had to run an experiment on them, collect data, run that. So I got to see the process of how research is done. And I can tell you, there, you can, you can, there's biases, there is, you know, the quest, everything. And so then I'm like, oh, maybe the world isn't actually what all these theories have said it is. Mm -hmm. But we live inside of that. And then I'm teaching, and I taught for five years at Melbourne Uni, first, second, third year accounting. And I'm seeing the younger version of me. So instead, I'll ask them questions. I'll get everyone standing in a circle. Why are you here? Why are you studying commerce? And no one's ever been asked that question. I don't even know. My parents think, oh, because I don't like science. And then everyone's starting to see, wow, it's not just me. But in class, as you'd be where no one talks, right? Or the person that talks, and they talk too much, and they stop talking. Yeah, and so there's this occurring happening in all these kind of cross-sections of society and I was starting to wake up. From my experience, I was like, there's something off here. There's something not quite right. People feeling disconnected, you know. I had people from the faculty going, you know, how do we connect international students with this? And how do we do all this? And it's like, I'm like, these are the wrong questions. You're not going to find solutions to these problems in, in a very simple way. Because it's like, all right, you can run an event, or you can do the thing back twice, pulled my hamstring, injured both Achilles, did all the things, right? And then I went on the journey. I discovered mindfulness. I discovered yoga. I got a health coach. I experimented with herbs, diets, nutrition. And after doing this research, I was starting to apply my research. I'm like, what? Why is this again? Why have they told me I got a poor immune system? Hang on. And nothing added up. So I'd be sharing with my parents. And after a while, they're like, wow, that's weird. And yeah, that is. And after a while, they're like, enough. I was so passionate about it. I'm like, you know, waking up to something. And then I started the Timekeeper, right? And that's when we would have crossed paths and, and going through that journey and creating that. And, and I look at it and started like that. But then when I went on this mindfulness journey, I'm like, oh, I'm waking up to something. I became present for the first time in my life to these thoughts. I could step outside of them. I could see that all my decisions up until that point weren't made by me. They were made by the conditioning of this is what I should be doing, right? I didn't choose that. I just got conditioned by my education system and my schooling and the media and my parents. And so then, like, what became hard about the timekeeper was I was discovering who I am as I'm creating a business. And I had two people come to me. So, you know, we start, right, donating profits to then youth, and then someone's like, Christian, you care about mental health? And so I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right, I do. And so I brought him into there. And then some other person comes along and he goes like, pretty much said, you're on the wrong path. Yeah, and that was like, oh, yeah. but this is a wise man. Yeah, like, you know, someone. And then... Um, Who was this person, sorry? Uh, like a person, like it was in an entrepreneurship program and he's meant to just have a chat and like just a normal chat. But for some reason, he's just gone boom. Yeah, and you can, he said it was, it's in the, you can read it in your body language, like how you're sitting right now tells me a lot, right? He can read that. This is a guy that's taught me a lot. And so then after that, it's like, but I started my management consulting role. 
I said, there's just real battle. It's like timekeeper. I don't really care as much about money, but it's like donating profits, but I need to make money. And, you know, this is, I studied for six years to get this dream job, solve the world's most important problems with the smartest people and make lots of money. Right? At uni, it was all that, all the conversations, all the people get this internship, be a consult banker or consultant. Come on, you, know, you get more here, but you work. You've heard it all, right? That's why you're laughing, because it's, it's the system. Yeah, I just spoke to a guy from Monash, fourth year uni, same thing. We're in a system and we can't see outside the system. Yeah? And so I was in that. And so then I got this dream management consulting role, but in that year off, I was exploring so much of my consciousness, my psychology, my nutrition, my body. I was a different person from when I applied, from when I started the job. Got in the new people, meeting new things, you know, meeting, doing the things. I managed to weave my way onto a well-being project for a big bank. So I was like, you know, aligned stuff, right? And then, uh, like, then it set in. I'm like burning out, I'm tired again, I'm like complaining when I come home, um, not enjoying it, not finding soul, I'll use the word, like in the work, but I tried to make it work. So I, you know, led this firm-wide, you know, meditation for PwC, I started giving talks to different divisions and people are crying and walking out of the room, like, I was touching something, I didn't know, I'm just literally going into bathrooms to cry, you know? And so then I'm like, wow, there's no psychological safety here. And I knew that's a really important thing for workplaces to perform. Right? I'd bring in this meditation organization, the team. And I remember there was one person that said to me, Christian, you're different. You need to be careful here. Again, it's like that mentor that comes through, right? And like, I didn't know what that meant at the time. I was like, that's a strange thing to say. Right? But it all makes sense later. People could see in me what I couldn't see in myself as I'm still trying to figure out who I am. Now, then I did work with men in the bush, 100 men in the bush, exposing me to my vulnerabilities. Before, I'm like the youngest person here. You know, entrepreneurship programs, facilitation programs, seeing what it's like to be vulnerable within moments and connect deeply with people. I'd never had that in my whole life. I was like, wow, you can live like that? That's next level. And then what happened is I quit. Right? I resigned. And that came literally the day after I did a personal development program. It got me so impacted. I'm spending my time on an Excel spreadsheet and a PowerPoint, but I have a passion for human beings. And I can't even justify what I'm doing is really like serving anyone based on my value system. Yeah, I could justify that long enough. It's like, you've got to stay here a year because that's, again, condition, right? Resume, you've got to stay there a year. You've got to, right? All these conditions. So I left and then I just went out empowering people. No job, I was just like, it was like informal coaching. I didn't know this at the time. I was like empowering people in their life and then, you know, someone came along and was like, Christian, you need to like, like make some money or like do something. So then I'm like, all right. So I like sent 10, out, 10 resumes out and got three jobs with facilitation organizations and then I started facilitating. And then you fast forward a year, worked with maybe 4,000, 5,000 people. Yeah, mainly young, young men, fathers and sons, also adults, all genders, ages, right? And now, so I'm starting to hear other people's stories. I've undone my conditioning, fears, you know, there's moments crying, dealing with all the stories that we live in. And then I'm hearing other people's stories. An 80-year-old man tell a 20-year-old man, don't do what I did. Someone at the effect of trauma, sexual abuse, violence, hearing their story, seeing how they can get over that and be empowered. Seeing people live as victims to their stories. 
And then I'm like, what the? The mental health industry is in a condition too. Wow, everything's in a condition. The food industry, the medicine, you know. And I'm not trying to shame or make anything wrong. It's just like, it is what it is. And they're helping, yeah, there's value. But I could start to see outside of that and see the benefit in me and then hearing all these other people's stories and see what's happening for them, right? So there's value in everything that exists. There has to be, otherwise it won't exist. Mm. But then there's other ways of doing things. That's... I'm, I'm honestly speechless. And you know what inspires me the most out of this is awareness isn't enough. It's turning awareness into action. And this is what you've done, turning into facilitation, working with people. But I want to take a couple of steps back because there's so much to unpack there. You know, when you, when you were talking about like, um, you know, being in that workplace and sort of not being aligned with the values that you hold, you know, can you tell us a little bit about you know, how you're, how like, you know, you were feeling in that moment, you know, that idea that you're torn between two worlds, like, this is where I am, you know, physically, but, you know, mentally, I'm, you know, I'm in a whole other world. Yeah. How did that play a role in, you know, your mental health and sort of yeah. tapping out of that and, you know, doing the amazing things you're doing now? Like, again, it's like you'd, you'd get this, wherever I am in the present moment, I don't know any different. So back then, you know, if you'd spoken to me, the biggest struggle would have been, What's my one purpose? I surrounded myself subconsciously with high performers. I had friends leading not-for-profits, like killing it all in all kinds of things in the world, yeah? And my mentor even said to me, just, he just said these little comments, right? Well, I don't know what they mean until later. Interesting that you decide to hang out with these kind of people. That's all he'd say. But he knows. He can see ahead, right? He's done the path. He's, you know, investment banking, investor, you know, all, he's done all that coaching. And... Um, and so, like, the question I'd have is, what's my one purpose? And I was comparing myself, searching, like, I need to, like, I, you know, I know I've got potential, but I just, it's not this, and, but unhappy. But the reality is I wasn't being responsible for my life. Now, you, you couldn't just, like, tell me that at the time. I, again, I wouldn't have got it, yeah? I had to realise that through a process. Who, like, coming home complaining every day to housemates... Yeah, or like going, I'm not in the job, I want to be the, but like, who's the only one choosing that? Me. So when you look at even mental health and like different things, it's like, you know, so I work to, to fast forward and come back. It's like I have now done, I do deeper work with people. So like less work with young people because I want to go deep with people. I want to completely, you know, transform people and or help them transform. It's not even me. They're the one making the choices and actions but um, is a big thing that I work with people on is responsibility. And I've worked with people that have been to psychologists or counsellors or been in mental health, da-da-da, and then had the, a shift with me that they've never had in 10 years. Because, again, we've got a system where it's like, OK, you've got, you got a problem, I've got a problem, right? I'm sad, or, like, I'm in a state of depressiveness. Yeah, I've been there too, right? OK, like, I'll, I'll run you through it. It's like, I'm doing work I love, I'm like in a relationship and I'm like, why am I waking up every day not feeling joy? I don't want to get out of bed. I'm like, what's, I can't explain it. I'm like, I'm confused. I don't know my head. There's so many thoughts. My body's all convoluted. And then I go to the psychologist because that's what my partner wants me to do. And I mean, the psychologist couldn't really help me because I've done so much work already. Like I'm telling her the stories and the bits and she's like, she asked me at the end, she's like, have you got anything from this? I'm like, and I was like validating her. I'm like, yeah, I took away this one, two, three. Like, you helped me reframe that. Thank you. 
And she's like, so do you want to book? I'll leave it to you to book another appointment. I'm like, yeah, leave it with me. I didn't need to go back. And I have another mentor who's an organizational psych, and she just goes, Christian, you're mourning something. Your subconscious is mourning. Now, we have our conscious mind, which is 5% of our intelligence, and then we have our subconscious, which is in our body, which is 95. But we live here. Rational mind, we're here. 5% of my intelligence system. And then we're probably only activating 2 or 3% of it because we carry stress and emotions and trauma that's getting all in the way. So my body was mourning something, and I have no idea what's going on. And no, because I hadn't had this experience before, right? I don't, it's, it's like, it's a bit debilitating. But when someone just said that, when someone's had the experience to be able to share the wisdom, boom, I just allowed myself to sit in those emotions for a while, and then it all came clear two weeks later. I don't want to be a CEO anymore. I don't want to be really a business person. And I actually don't want to be in the relationship that I'm in. Yeah. And then I had to take all the, that's like, whoa, that's a lot, right? Whoa, I've got to change my life. Then I'm going to take all the actions. Now, if I didn't, I would have got stuck in what's called a depressive state. I'm not even going to call it depression. Yeah. But all three, I did three modalities, kinesiology, muscle testing, the resistance that came up in my body was to the word depression. Yeah, it can even happen when I'm in birth with my mum if she has ideas of depression, like that stuff can show up. Yeah, there was I, the, the session with the counsellor, depression, right? So that's the talk therapy. We've got the body therapy, muscle testing, we've got the, that. And then an energetic session, same thing. So all signs point to that as a state of being. Mm allowed myself to sit through that, make the decisions, and I, I came out of that. Yeah, that's really awesome. And, and I think, you know, you, you've sort of mentioned this a little bit, but so, so I think, you know, following a passion was one of the things that really stood out for me as, you know, I've listened to you today and, you know, on other podcasts as well. And you've described your life, or you've described life in general, actually, as a convergence of paths, you know, like you mentioned, you know, you've got your commerce path, your job, and, you know, whatever. And what I'm really intrigued to find out a bit more about was about the timekeeper, which you've said is a manifestation of your personal beliefs and your view on the world. So I was wondering, you know, why was youth mental health, which obviously timekeeper is a youth mental health organization. So why was that such an, such an important initiative for you? Yeah. So I think um, like it's all in hindsight. Yeah. Is I'm just like, there's, there's a term I always say, which is knowing the path versus walking the path. And for so long, I wanted to know things. I needed to know, am I safe if I quit my job? I need to know, is this my one thing? I need to know, is this person into me? Like all this. And then there's just walking, taking actions. And if you look back through the threads of things, my honours research project was pretty much psychology and business. But I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know that that was my interest. Yeah, I created product business. And then someone's like, oh, actually, you more care about mental health. Oh. So there was actually a mismatch. I got a product business, but I care about mental health. But again, I didn't really know it. It's like, so I'm unconscious. I'm going to use the word unconscious to things. And as I go through my journey, I become conscious to what I'm unconscious of, right? It's awareness, consciousness raising. So then you keep going. It's like I'm working with young boys. And it's just like, I don't know, something like when I quit, that day before I quit, it was because the insight came, I'm here to work with humans. I have a gift that I can, that not everyone has, I could just, I can see it, and I'm wasting it. I got so impacted. I had to face the pain of I'm wasting that. 
And at that point, I'd got to a level of self-actualization where life wasn't about me anymore. Like to live from the perspective, if I, all the way through uni, life was from, you may be able to write this, like, oh, does my hair look good? Am I wearing the right clothes? Um, yeah, like, oh, am I buying the right things? Oh, what do people think of me? You know, that's all me, 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 me. The bar, like you just, yeah, it's on edge. Now, there's nothing, again, nothing wrong with it, but there's also another life where you clear all of that. Because I've seen it. I've seen hundreds, if not thousands of people all scared of the same thing. Rejection. Death. Really. And when you realize that everyone in a room crying and doing all this stuff, like facing their fear of that, it's like we're all deers with headlights on and our nervous systems are like, freak out. Working in a high-performing management consulting thing where it's do not make a mistake. Playing into people's perfectionist patterns, whatever may play out time. What's your nervous system doing? Right? It's freaked out. But again, I wasn't aware. I didn't have a mind-body connection. Because it activates that fight or flight response, right? Yeah. Or flight or freeze, depending on how your systems learn, right? So you fast forward a bit. I do a lot of work now with what's called biofeedback. Ner the nervous system is our thing that collects all the energy. My nervous system is collecting information from each of you right now. Like it's collect that, that uh, you, we walked by here before that truck honked us, mm. boom. That's, yeah, you would have felt that in your yeah. body, yeah. yeah, right? And so then you've got other things. You've got the brain, which we've got so much attention on in our research, right? But the reality is the heart is the thing that sends the signal of our intuition to our brain, which sends it to our gut, and we've got gut instinct. And then people like intuition, what's intuition? You'll hear CEOs, this is where you hear things, but then it only makes sense. Every CEO said it's all about gut instinct. You would have heard this before, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, course. comes from the heart. So then when you start to tune your breath in and your heart rhythm beat into what's called coherence or sync, right? Sync sends clear signals to your brain this, you've got clear channel to gut instinct. But we're trained to live up here. Commerce, rote learn theory, get the job, you know. Again, so it's trained this. We haven't helped people learn how to tap into that. And we know leadership, you want to be a leader in the world, IQ will get you so far. Like if you get 120 IQ, you got the potential to be a great leader. From there, it's all EQ. Mm. I, I can definitely relate to that. There's, there's been so many instances where, you know, how you're talking about like doing stuff you don't enjoy, and it's almost like you get mud on your shoes or like mud on your boots, and then at the end of the day, you come back home to your loved ones and you're stumping around in those muddy boots, and, and it wears off on other people. Like that, that energy that you possess, that comes off onto other people. And, now I can see that, you know, that, that boot's getting clear, so to speak, and you're finding your sense of purpose, this sense of enlightenment in, in the work that you do, especially with like, the man cave. And you mentioned earlier about um, you know, being in nature, being in the bush with 100 men. You know, that level of EQ that comes out, you know, when people are able to tap into, this is what I'm feeling, yeah. this, is, this is how I am, yeah. this, is, this is my true emotion. Yeah. It's really powerful stuff. Yeah. And I can, I can even hear it in your voice, like there's emotion there for you, yeah? It's like my words are waking something up in you that you can feel. You're, you can feel that, yeah? That's your heart. I'm buzzing. <laughs> right? Can you feel energy in your body? I don't know. You tell me, right? So what that is, is words are not so important. It's vibration coming out. I'm making something 
un that was unconscious in your body now conscious, and that is waking up. There's a vibration moving through your system. Yeah. So then, so you know, you're talking about mental health. It's like when we were last talking about mental health, different occurrence. Like let's just have a conversation. Let's uh, let's break down stigma. Gone way beyond that now. It's like for me, this is just me. It's like if I have a thing now. I don't need to go sit in a room one-on-one -on -one with person, talk about it, or dumb that down, right? Learn, I learn tools like meditation to check in, facing my fear, sitting with uncomfortable emotions, and creating relationships with people where on a similar journey and a similar page, I have people hold space for me and I release and cry and do all kinds of things. But I do remember once upon a time, I was like, why can't I cry? I was like in a car with friends. I'm like, help me cry. Here, I'll close my eyes. <laughs> tell me, me all the things. Yeah, like, <laughs> tell me I'm a loser. Tell me, like, this is literally the journey I went on. And it starts with asking the question. And for me, you know, I don't know. I think anyone can experience this. It's not unique to me. I'm not special. Other people, it's literally we're just all conditioned by a society. It's not an evil society. It's just like we're in the thing. Everyone's in the thing. Right? It's not, it's not like there's some person at the top or like some evil thing. But when you step a little bit out, and that takes like courage, right? It takes vulnerability. And you ask the right questions. It's the questions that matter. You don't need to seek the answer. What's my one thing? What's my da-da-da? But this is what I see. What stops people from doing that? Fear. Lack of the value of responsibility. We don't live in a society that values responsibility. Let me define it. Responsibility is the ability to respond to what is relevant in the moment. So for an individual to be responsible, if I'm feeling an emotion like sadness, that's telling me there's something I need to change. If I'm feeling joy, great. Don't get too attached to it, though, because you probably feel sadness in the next moment, right? All this non-attachment stuff. But we don't learn to respond to that. We would rather, right? And it's, it's unconscious. It's not anyone's fault. But sit in sadness and then mope about it. And I know people stayed in a state of depression for a long time and then used depression as an excuse to not be responsible for whatever, work, boss is terrible, blame, we blame, right? So another great distinction is like, I'm responsible for my emotions, my life, I'm responsible for how others treat me, because in some way I am giving out something that has them treat me in that way, verse, blame, 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 gossip, blame, these people are bad, this is, all these things are bad except for me. Hate, it's, hate can sometimes be the easiest thing, hate and blame. And, and has traveling played a massive role in you know, going to India, going to Nepal, like this idea of like expanded consciousness? and feeling more connected? Has, has traveling and meeting people that come from different walks of lives sort of opened up sort of that light? Yeah, I think traveling for sure. What, one powerful thing about traveling is, um, you know, speaking to a friend who, who's a um, professional um, sports person, and um, he said travel has been his number one thing for this. For me, travel is probably not my number one, let's call it self-realization tool, but for sure, anything that takes you outside of the bubble you're in, because, you know, there's a, a video I watched the other day, a TED Talk, and it shows you hang out with the same group of friends, all doing the same thing, talking about the same thing. Now you've got Facebook and all the algorithms sending you the like-minded things and the YouTube. And so you think, this is the world, this is a bubble, and then someone's in another bubble over here doing that. 
and then you meet and it's like, oh, what the heck? Oh, you're a lefty, you're a righty, you're a, you know, like, and then belief systems are clashing. You can see it in the world, social media, right? It's like people attacking, making wrong because we're living in bubbles. So part of my journey has been, you could call it bridge walking. Yeah, teaching students around the world, consultant, business, entrepreneur, facilitator, coach, right, indigenous populations. And I like, just imagine I'm just like going through, I'm just like, all I'm doing is learning. And my perspective on life is I'm a research project. So I think my honors, what all that did for me is I've become the research project. I'm experimenting. Every person I meet, their story, I hear it, I take it in. Every program I've done, every book I've read, every place I've been, I take it in, but not here, not in the mind, in the body, programming the subconscious. Yeah, I'll give you a little, a little trick is, I did this program where they're like, all right, let's test your, let's test how present you are. All right, here's a sentence, two lines. They show it to you, take it off the screen. All right, write it back, remember it, word for word. All right, here's another one, three lines. And then this is what I mean by an activity that starts to get you. My brain's going, crap, I'm not gonna be able to remember three lines. Then they do four lines. Oh crap, there's numbers in there. Oh, I've got a bad memory. All the stories, I've got a bad memory. Da, 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 da. And then I realized fifth line, I'm not present. Fifth line, I just looked at it, didn't try to remember it, didn't try anything, got the whole thing. Bang. The other ones, I always missed something. Yeah, it. So it's like letting go of this, right? The whole, the, the, the need. And it was just like, like, it doesn't make sense though. It's like, I just read it without, it's almost like the brain's not there mm. and then remembered it. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. And I, and you were talking about this bubble that you know we're living in right now, and in order to get out of that bubble, I feel as if one of your messages is to follow your passion, which requires someone to take a leap of faith at some point or take a risk. Um, and there are certainly people out there who aren't in a position to take that risk, you know, due to it being impractical. I mean, for example, I always wanted to become a professional tennis player, and as much as I, I as much as I want to, I know for a fact that it's impractical for me to do it. Um, you know, because of the quality of other players and what whatnot. But, you know, you know, so what is your message to people out there who, you know, are potentially in a similar position? Let me explain it to you using some ancient Vedic wisdom. Have you heard of the Vedas before? I'm sure. Heard of the Vedas. I have not heard yeah. of the Vedas. <laughs> what do you know about the Vedas? <laughs> they go back a long time. <laughs> so you have no idea what what they are. <laughs> Come on, mate, you can be honest. <laughs> There's this idea of a soul and a spirit. Like what is that awareness thing? Yeah. So the Dharma is we, our souls, have a personal evolution in this lifetime. And that's already decided for us. It's that thing where each of you may know, it's like, that, it's like I know there's something for me here. Like that, do you know that inner knowing feeling? That's a special feeling? Yeah, there's like something. I don't know what it is, but there's something. That's Dharma. Kriya is when we tune into our stillness state. This is why people you know, do a lot of meditations, where a lot of this came from, is when we quieten everything, we get to tune into our intuition. When we're super excited, it's probably not intuition. It's probably just like, oh, that w woman is so attractive. Like, maybe that's, you know, my no. Like intuition may actually be going, nah, man, that's, that's not what, right? So when we're in Kriya and we, tr we take actions from there, there'll be things that pull us forward and there'll be things that tell us, no, don't go there. That book, that program, that job, that person, yeah? And this one is. If we listen to that, it's scary. Why? Because we're like, oh, risk, right? Or, oh, I don't know what the outcome's gonna be. You listen to that, it'll take you in the least effort state to your dharma. And then you think of the modern people that have studied this, you might have heard of flow performance or flow state, 
right, biohacking, all this kind of stuff, you know, but it's been there in the Vedas for thousands of years, if only we look back. Then the third word is karma. Imagine it's like the 10-pin bowling alley to our dharma. You make a choice off track, boom, boom, hits you back. Now, for me, that was being sick many times, but I, I wasn't conscious, I wasn't my time to whatever, wake up to that. Yeah, it's people that have midlife crises, people that have all kinds of things. You keep making choices that are bad, like that. Then you come into alignment like that. So why I say that is because what that's telling you is you're not entitled to make all choices based on that philosophy. So as you say, tennis player may not be your dharma. Your ego, the mind, may be like, I learned from TV, like that Federer, I want to be like him because, you know, what? yeah, because he's cool or like I'll be, I'll make lots of money, whatever, right? Yep. That doesn't mean that's your purpose. That's your ego telling you something, right? So to people, for the, the people that you're asking this question for is everybody does have an alignment and a channel and a stream to get into. So when you say practicalities, not practicalities, I don't live in that world. Yeah. So do you, yeah. do you believe that people that exist at the moment, each and every one of us have a purpose? Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's like one, per, like to go impact a million lives. It's like, it's I don't even know, what, no, I don't even know, it's changing all the time. I've had, yeah, I've had to let go of like, and I'm just following that. And then every interaction I could serve someone. Like I had a, I met a woman the other day, just like a person in the store. And it's like I said something and I saw something shifted for her. I don't know what it is. I'll never see her again. That's my purpose, an interaction. Yeah. Since, since we're on the topic of meditation and we're talking about ancient traditions, I've been, I've been looking into something called the chakras and these, these points in your body where energy is stored. And that third eye you were talking about as well, that, 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 you know, that out-of-world experience that you can experience. Um, how, how important has, maybe if you've got experience, you know, releasing those energy stores, those chakras, and sort of tapping into that um, with mindfulness, with that sort of yogic meditation, that, that, um, that idea of just being still and, um, yeah, entering this, this, this world of mindfulness. Mm. Has that, has that been an important part in this whole entire journey for you? There's a book, if anyone's interested or if anyone is, called Letting Go by David Hawkins. And there's like three pages and it lists like every modality out. It's like, if you've got an issue, you can go see a psychologist, you can go do an ice bath, you can meditate, you can align your chakras, you can have psych... You just, and I was laughing the whole time reading because I'm like, wow, I've tried this and this and I'm seeking, I'm seeking. And I realised I was seeking because there was something wrong with me, I thought. It was a blind spot. Yeah, now I just do it for fun, like I get to experience the things. But on the point of chakras, it's like, again, it's these things where like, if you asked me five years ago, chakras, I'm like, I don't know that. That's just like something out in the world, yeah? And it's like, rather than getting concepts and like trying to figure things out, it's just like keep walking the path in alignment with your heart and your intuition, take the courage, and then all this stuff comes to you through experience. So I'll give you the experience I had recently with it is, I take people on the journey to my parents. My dad sees all the colours of the chakras now in his eyes. Seven-year-old man, never you know, had access to this. Now he sees it. Right? And it's like, oh, it's like, that is evidence to me. Again, I'm just taking that in. I'm like, I couldn't create. Like, he's done that somehow. And now he's got the evidence. And now I've got the evidence. Because um, our rational minds, you know, we like the evidence. Um, but the chakras is, I've learned, it's the same colours as the rainbow, yeah? By the way, there's a room called the Rainbow Room in this building. Um, because 
uh, about maybe five days ago, I saw a double rainbow. And I was just about to jump on a call with a friend from Hawaii. Told her about it. We talked about rainbow warriors earlier. It's a prophecy, Native American Indian prophecy. Then two days later, I received a message from someone in Byron, rainbow, double rainbow in Byron. Then Hawaii, the next day, triple rainbow in, in there. Yeah. The rainbow is traveling around the world. Then someone sends me a story, an Aboriginal story, the rainbow serpent. How the Aboriginal people honored the serpent. They honored the land. They know the land. You go spend time with them. They know the land. Then the rainbow serpent disappeared with the water drought. And they cried. Like literally imagine all of us crying because we're so connected and something's been taken away. Because they know people disrespected the land. Yeah? But they can't do anything about it because we're now living in a new paradigm, right? There, you know. So anyway, why this I'm telling this story is because uh, that rainbow serpent, that kundalini thing we started off this conversation with, that's called the rainbow serpent energy. It's an energy that moves through every single chakra, aligning and healing the energies of that. And what I've learned about the chakras, again, is like it's all through experience. Like I don't know the theories and all that. It's just like I know where I'm blocked. I've got that mind-body connection. I use breath work, I use meditation. I guide people through these experiences now. And I know what's super clear. There's also certain things that can read. You know, your frequencies is in different fields. And it's like, is it again just chance that the rainbow colors match that the colors of our thing or the colors that people can see through their eyes? No. We're all, there's, there's a lot more connection. So your question of presence is like, if you spend time with Aboriginal people, they don't have a Deepak Chopra or a Eckhart Tolle walking around. They don't need the teacher. They just live it. To get the different, imagine growing up and you just are present, connected to all things. Relationships, not chasing money or status or time or worrying about your hair, which creates all these self-worth stories. No, they're all worthy. You're a community helping each other. So we create solutions to problems we think we're solving in the world. Like I'll give you an example during COVID, right? Gyms. I mean, we've all used. Yeah. So the gym creates a, a solution to whatever convenience problem, but we create another indirect problems, and this is how we're running the world. If you think about it, like for myself, all I need: water, food, connection. Energy, nature. Why? Like, I don't know. Is there anything else you need in that? I'm not sure. Like, maybe. No, I love how, I love how you broke that down and just sort of literally, literally just categorize what you want in life in five words. I think that's it. Is all the noise from the world and what it's telling us and the solutions has us lose what we actually need. And from working with so many people, I get people to tell me their core values. I'm like, is everyone that's working with me just got the same core values as me? Or, no, like, really, we actually all care about the same things. Maybe a slight variation. And what gets in the way is all the questions or trying to figure it out. But when we, that's why I say it's a letting go surrender journey. Yeah. Like, if there was anything to say to anyone, you guys are listeners, it's literally this. Tune to your intuition, heart, only that knows. Anything that's in the way, fear, no, it's like fear, I doubt, uh, Get it I out of the way. Yeah. I love that. And that, 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 <laughs> that comes down to exactly what we're doing, which is yeah. like this idea of like creating conversations, this idea that there's, there's this magical experience, there's this opening you know, on the other side of action. 
this this other side of you know actually getting comfortable with the uncomfortable yeah. and and really settling in letting go yeah that's it and the irony is we all want control and certainty it's just like yeah the irony is when we let go of that we're actually in control yeah, that's, i have so much more control of my emotional experience my body how i act like and when i don't then i inquire into that what is there to heal here someone sent me a really negative thing that my body vibrates a bit it's like oh there's a bit of anxiety or something in there mm. let me look into that and, and when you sit down when you sit down and you sort of understand okay i'm feeling this anxiety i'm feeling this um this this sort of energy flowing to my body um i don't like this you know what how do you set into this sort of state that you know you're in now there's obviously something you switch out of right yeah so there's many tools for this right that's so in that book it lists like everything you can try for me i'll, I'll give you just a real example to make it real for you i had two people really close to me send me let's just call it there's no such thing really but negative like i had determined as negative and there was anger i was like angry it's like these people yeah I lay in bed and this was out of my control my body just started vibrating and my liver is like coming from my that's where anger I stole my anger I realized that my bo- heat going up and down cry all it is is energy but see I've got to a place where I'm not like oh emotions I'm scared or it's just like that's energy I'm going to let it move then the next day I get a friend to sit on the beach with me and guide me through something to inquire into what is the condition there oh okay I I had like emotional attachments to these two people those had disappeared from those comments i'm not safe now that's what that was so then embodied a meditation experience for me to step into my high self oh i feel a bit shaky no more no more attachments with anyone in the world parents da, da, da. it's just me now turning into a man apparently right embody that take away but i had someone to hold space for that because i can't necessarily do that myself too mm, yeah and i feel like speaking from experience and similar to what you've kind of said before Um, one of the ways of coping with anxiety is letting go. And that is so hard. You know, it's so hard to just let go because I'm not sure if you've had an, an anxiety attack or a panic attack before, but you literally, it's quite literally, you feel like your mind is running a 500 meter sprint in the span of like 10 seconds. And I feel it's such an important skill to develop to just, you know, let go, slow down and just let go. It is a skill. And to your point around anxiety attacks, and this is the thing is, that this is something that you probably wouldn't have heard before that tells me that your dharma and purpose here is is greater than you think because the people that experience greater levels of depre- anxiety and like these things it's because your soul knows that there's something not right with the world or how you've been conditioned yeah do you get that you're actually less asleep now you wouldn't have heard that before right never but you would feel maybe i don't know you maybe you can feel there's maybe some truth to that in your heart yeah you can yeah you know that yeah you? but I, i don't i don't know what it is yeah, i get that i get that yeah and then the letting go bit is look i was working with a woman there was a, it was a group on zoom and during covid there was a whole group and i'm like all right who wants to return to love and this woman never met her before puts her hand up so i'm facilitating this thing for her this process and i'm going she's like multiple relationships break down she's got this whole thing about men now you know it's a very common thing right and I'm going there I'm like let go like guiding her through this thing she's like can't stuck massive resistance so then I have to change the path because I realized it wasn't about her letting go of the pain 
It was about her integrating the other side of that. Yeah. There's that like, so letting go doesn't always necessarily, like it's like we can't just use our mind and go let go or we don't actually sometimes know what we're letting go someone, of. Someone, someone once described like the unconscious mind as like this jigsaw puzzle that's scattered everywhere. And as you mentioned, there's plenty of tools out there, plenty of resources out there to sort of put that jigsaw puzzle back together. And you're able to see that sort of light at the end of the tunnel, this sort of picture forming. Yeah. And, and that's sort of... In a not identity, identity but in a not identity. It's sort of this, yeah. this is who I am, becoming true yeah. with who you are. And, and here's the thing. Our bodies are so smart. The reason why so many people are ill, mentally, physically, is because of how we're navigating through this world. The body is telling us what to do. The bodies, our bodies, want us to wake up. But it's, it's all there. And when we listen, we give ourselves a chance. And when we heal, we're working with nature. Because just like the planet has the same water system, the, everything, the air, like plankton, you know, plankton, we're pretty much breathing in plankton. You get rid of all the whales, you get rid of the like, we're all connected, right? The trees, everything. So the plant, state of the planet, state of the body, it, Mother Nature, wants us to heal. That's why there's permaculture, agriculture, all this movement's coming, the soil, we've killed the soil. So it's all connected. And that's why I say when I get people connected to their values, these people coming to me, most of them, not all of them, most of them ending up wanting to do what I'm doing, which is I'm about to go work on a permaculture farm. People just wanting to get into nature, worry less about city life, money, spend time with their partner, travel. Yeah. Mm. It's yeah. like, I'm pretty sure that's what everyone wants to do. I mean, I could be really biased, but. Mm. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like what you're saying there is this commentary on you know, man's connection with nature. And, you know, what we're living in right now is a man-made construct. But when you go out into nature, I mean, this is naturally where humans are meant to be. I mean, for example, if you look at, you know, famous people like Novak Djokovic, um, he's actually very big into this stuff about, you know, nature and drawing energy from the flora and fauna around you. And I think that's very similar to what you just said. He's connected too. I've seen some pod- He's connected to this whole stuff, but he probably just doesn't I know some people that he does podcasts and things with and he's friends with. But um, I ask you this question. If you didn't have a stressful job, you got to just plant your own food, I don't know, do whatever you like to do in nature, surf, walk, have a loved one, this, do you think you or many people would have anxiety? Right? There's your your answer. So we are creating it. And that's when it comes to responsibility. It's telling you something's not right in your life. This, this brings us to an interesting point. It's like, obviously what we're about is creating conversations and getting people to sort of understand what's on the other end of that. And there's plenty of people out there, I'm sure, that can resonate with that story you've shared, which is incredible. <laughs> I said it at the start of the podcast that these listeners are in for a journey, and they definitely are. Um, for, for those people that have sort of, you know, perhaps gone through something you've gone through, that transition from uni to you know, strategy consulting to um, the timekeeper to facilitating, and now it's this, you know, this whole evolution of you know, understanding these energies throughout our body. Um, I don't want to say what advice would you have to a 20-year-old self or what advice you would have to your future self. I want to ask you, what advice would you have to someone who's sort of asking themselves those questions that... I know there's this, this dharma or like there's this, there's this potential in me. How do I unlock that? 
and how do I sort of open my, open my eyes up to, I don't want to be feeling these feelings of anxiety and depression, and there's something magical on the other end of that. Um, you know, what's, what's something you'd, you'd like our listeners to sort of take away from this whole message think, you have? Like, this could be a biased answer because I'm a coach, but it's like, for the people that know, you can't do it by yourself. I told you all those little mentors that came along the way, like, I can't see my own blind spots. Like, even me just asked you some questions now, you couldn't have got to there without the questions, right? But you know, the answer's in you, that's the bit. So it's like, for those people, you need to reach out, coach, anything. It can be a psychologist, counselor, like, depending on where the person's at, find a, pro- a group program, do something to undo the conditioning so that you can get rid of the crap in the way, the fear, the stories, and unlock the journey. And no one can compare themselves to me or anyone, because like, all I keep saying is you just got to walk. You got to keep taking actions in alignment with your heart every day. So that, and it's, and it's, I think my message is you need to be open to ask for support. It's vulnerable. And in asking for support from someone, you're actually gifting them. Because someone that want, is a coach or anything like that, their joy is empowering people to live their best lives. Yeah? We can't do it alone. We actually need each other's stories and blind spots to be able to see that. Because it's like me sharing this with you today, it's like, why doesn't everyone know this? Why isn't there people at uni? Well, we know because they need to fill jobs and higher paying jobs the better for the university rankings. But, right? So like they're not going to want to get someone in because people probably quit. Half the people quit. I've actually heard of that in corporate firms. They do these transformational leadership trainings and then half the people quit before they become partner. Why? Again, because we're all wanting the same thing. <laughs> so then they don't do that. Yeah? So you can't work inside the system. Yeah? But like, there are so many people that you know, speak like me. Like, it's not special. They have the same knowledge. I've learned this from other people. Yeah? But for the person that's on the edge, it's like I had to do programs and things to undo the conditioning. Also, I also noticed that you were wearing a timekeeper, timekeeper watch. Is that right? Yeah. 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 I was actually, and you, Sunny, as well. No. There's two of you guys. Yeah. I think so we did touch on this earlier regarding timekeeper, but I don't think we actually got a, um, we, didn't, we didn't dive into that a, a lot. But I think, because I think that the work from the timekeeper, from, from what I've heard from Sunny, is a lot to do with, with, with youth, men, youth mental health. So I was really interested just to know what, what does it mean to be a timekeeper? What, what is, can you give us a bit more information on, on that? So in like the most simple terms, I'll just say, it's like people buy a watch and they're funding one young man into a man cave program, which is an organisation I worked for. Of course, yeah. So it's like, you want a watch, like Sunny would know, like it's good quality, it's, it's competitive and then you're funding one boy into a program. And I know, because I've facilitated for that program, I know the organisation's legit and good. And I'll give you an example of a story. It's like, we'll go into high school, and it can start young, right? They're doing meditation in primary school. It's like, we'll have a group of all these guys in a room. Like, imagine being back in year nine, year eight, especially when you want to be cool, right? And people, right? And we'll have a bully step up and apologise to the kiddie bully because the kid shared his experience of life in school. And they start to actually connect and hear each other's stories. That changes culture. That changes things, yeah? So, I mean, that's the kind of work that can be done in the day. It's, it's powerful. I, I've, I've had this watch for about, I think, three years now. And it, it serves as a reminder. 
you look at it and you're like, actually, there's 24 hours in a day. That's that's actually a lot of time. Yeah. But you know, slow down, be present, soak up your surroundings because that's all you've got. Perfect. Um, yeah. And on that note, I think that's yeah. I think that's pretty much. Is there anything else? You, is there any final message you wanted to send that send that audience at all, or is there anything else you wanted to? To add to this, I know there's a lot of information. Um, I'm not going to lie, and you've you've definitely taught Sunny and I a, a thing or two about uh, what, what about your about your life and about mental health. Uh, I know you don't like calling it mental health, but we're, we're just for the sake of right now, I mean, we'll fit mental fitness. This time, the thing of not liking mental health, it's not I don't like. It's just I've learned that it goes. The thoughts come from something else, yeah. and I've learned it's all about energy. So I'm, I focus on that rather than I realize my energy changes my thoughts and emotions. Um, but the message is, yeah, it's just it's the same thing. I just want to drill in because all that information, everything I said is great, great, great. But at the end of the day, this is all I help people do is it's your intuition. And when you get enough scores on the board, you'll learn to trust it. Because right now people can't trust it, right? Because it's like scary. I don't know what my intuition is. Follow that. That's it. And that will always take you to the right place, your dharma. Always. And you look at all these really people that you might call successful because, you know, whatever, they've got lots of followers or they're connected to what I'm talking about. When you start to read their language and see the things, yeah, they, they might use it as spirit. Some even might call it God or whatever. In, but it's, it's all just the same thing. Cool. And on that note, I don't think there's yep. anything more to add. That, that's, a, that's a perfect way to finish. Cool. All right. All right. So thank you. Thank you all for listening. This is Mang signing off. Sunny signing off. Christian signing off. And that's another one done and dusted. We definitely encourage you to check out Christian on the socials at Christian Martinau on Instagram and Facebook. He's now spending his time in Bar and Bay doing one-on-one coaching with people from all walks of life and continuing his impact on changing lives and enabling people to live a life aligned with their values. Do check out the show notes below where we have more information, including Christian's own blog on medium.com, where he distills some of the wisdom Um, the ancient wisdom that he's picked up over the last couple of years and putting that into practice. Next week, we have a very inspirational guest, Himmel Pillay, as I'll be sitting down with him one-on-one as he recounts his experiences during high school and university, growing up with an alcoholic father, being raised by a single mother, whilst mentoring and being the father figure for his younger brother. It's one not to be missed, and it is quite raw as he describes his experiences growing up in that household. He shares his passion for motivational speaking as he goes around Australia and New Zealand, inspiring other students to become their best selves and not let their environment dictate their future. It's one not to be missed. Until then, stay safe and stay well. We'll see you on the flip side.